0: The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with Bob Ford, the multiple-time Pennsylvania Sports Writer of the Year for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's been covering Philadelphia sports since 1981. So Bob, during your time there, Who's been the most memorable personality you've been around professionally?
1: Well, uh, you know, it has been since 1981 in Philadelphia. So there have been a few of them. Like, you know, Pete Rose comes to mind, who is just a remarkably flawed but very interesting guy. Uh, you know, I was around Julia Serving. Uh, I was around, gosh, you know, lots of guys. I covered a lot of the Olympics. I covered a lot of international sports. I was around Lance Armstrong. Uh, So some very interesting people. But if you, if I had to pick one guy and say, okay, I got the most interesting stories out of this guy or the most memorable uh, occurrences happened with him around, it would no doubt be the, the four seasons that I covered Charles Barkley with 76ers and being with Charles every day, uh, there was always something that was, that was going to take place that you didn't expect. And I used to say, quite accurately, I think, that he would cost me about 50 extra bylines a year, that there were 50 stories that I would have to write that I wouldn't otherwise have had to do if he hadn't been on the team because these things did not happen with normal people and, and normal uh, teams. You, you want a couple of Barkley, Barkley stories, Noah? Please. <laughs> uh, well, there's, there's a number to choose of, a number of them to choose from. Uh, there was one time, and this is sort of a journalistic story, too, because uh, I'm not sure this would happen today in the age of uh, instant tweeting and 140 character breaking news and sort of that 24 /7 cycle that we've all gotten used to. And the Sixers were playing a game late in the season It was in the spectrum. And uh, I think it was – no, it was. It was against the New Jersey Nets. And the New Jersey Nets at that time were not a very good team. And the Sixers needed to, to put some wins together at the end of the season in order to better their, their playoff uh, ranking, their playoff seating, so they could avoid the Bulls longer, which is, was the whole game back there and was avoiding the Bulls. Uh, So they lost this game at home that they really should have won. And I went into the locker room after the game with Phil Jasner for the Philadelphia Daily News. And he and I competed against each other for many years. And A well-respected guy, Hall of Fame guy, unfortunately passed away. But a great guy to work with, although he was a tough, tough competitor. So Phil and I went in the locker room after the game and went up to Barkley after this game. They had blown that they certainly should have won. And uh, and it's, and in this day and age, this resonates a lot now too because of what what we've been had in, in the news cycle recently. But we said, Charles, what do you think about this game? And Charles said, "This is one of those games that makes you want to go home and beat your wife." <laughs> and I know it's awful. It's terrible. I mean, you know, and I don't. I don't think he was trying to be funny. You know, but it was just Phil and I. And I looked at Phil. And, Phil looked at me. and and this is one of those things that I, I'm not sure this would happen today. First of all, it wouldn't just be two of us. There'd be a crowd of us. There'd be television cameras and live streaming and blogging and God knows even podcasts, whatever those are. And, and Phil looked at me and I looked at Phil. We both looked at Charles. And said, you know what, Charles, we're going to give you another run at that one. Okay. Just, why, don't you, why don't you just take another run at that one? Because that's, that's not really something you might want to be saying. And uh, so we gave him a we gave him a take back. And he looked at it and he says, No, put it in the paper. Piss off them women's groups. And so Phil Chazer and I, you know, put it in the paper. And the next night they had back to back home games. And the next night outside the spectrum, there were about five hundred women from the National Organization of Women with and like pitchforks and torches and and circling the spectrum. And uh, Charles eventually had to obviously apologize. He uh, made a donation to a women's shelter and, you know, but that was sort of the off the cuff thing that Charles, even if he was trying to be funny, would do something that was controversial. Dave Kosky, the longtime piano guy for the Sixers, used to say that uh, most professional athletes, are, are assholes who want to think that you're a good, want you to think they're a good guy. So Charles is a good guy who wants, who wants to come off as an asshole. It's completely reversed with him. But that was an example of those chasing stories. You know, that became like a three day Charles versus the women of the world story, just because, you know, he wanted to make a flip the comment after a game. So that, that's a story that sticks out in my mind. Maybe not the funniest story of all time. There were funnier stories. Uh, he uh, he used to be unmerciful, unmerciful on Armand Gilliam, who was a power forward from UNLV. Who I think you probably remember had a, like a sideways hair, haircut, very odd fellow. He kind of looked like Gumby out there.
0: Yeah, he was six. And six, six Armand, on his right side, and about six three on his left side. <laughs> Armand was a very nice man, very accomplished. He could play like five musical instruments.
1: He read books in the locker room all the time. You know, some of that did not sit well with Charles to begin with. But Armand was also what I would call uh, not a sturdy rebounding power forward. He was more of a graceful, like old, old Cliff Robinson power forward. Um, Sort of more of a away from the basket guy. And so Charles would, would often after games have a dramatic reading of the box score in the, in the locker room. And he and Armand didn't sit very far from each other. And he would pull out the box score and he'd go, Oh, look, Almond Gilliam had one more rebound than a dead man. <laughs> and Charles, Charles thought that was the, the height of humor. Uh, Armand did not always, did not always, uh, agree with
0: that. Was Barkley a bully he in liked, the locker room or did guys gravitate towards him?
1: Oh, he could, he could be a bully. He, he was, uh, he was not, he was a sharp tongued guy. I mean, he had his favorites, like Scotty Brooks for some reason when Scotty Brooks joined the, uh, Sixers. He is now the coach, but he was a little backup point guard then. And, uh, Charles took him into his house. He lived with him for like six months. Right. But he could also be very, very cutting if he thought guys uh were not giving their all or were not as talented. The Sixers had a, a center uh
0: who went briefly to the University of Maryland and then I believe went to Minnesota named Ben Coleman. Do you remember Ben Coleman? Yeah, he was he was he was he was five thousand three minutes. Yeah, and he was like he's like six ten, had a you know, incredible NBA body.
1: Uh, but not not a gifted uh, fluid offensive player and we're at practice one time and they practice at Saint Joseph's University and we're in the locker room after practice just kind of hanging out and and Barkley yells across the room he says hey Ben how many good dependable low post moves do you have and ben, and Ben's thinking you know he's told this t- Sideways like a, like a dog that hears something it doesn't understand. Ben tilts his way, head sideways, and he's thinking, and he says, three. And Charles says, oh, that's good. When are we going to see the other two? <laughs> 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 and, yeah, so he could, he could be like that. Dude. You know, they, when they traded away Moses— uh, in 1986, on draft day, and you know they got Jeff Rowland from the from the uh, Bullets, mm-hmm. and they also traded away the number one pick, who would become Brad Daugherty, uh in order to get Roy Henson yep. from the from the Cleveland Cavaliers. But Charles hated these moves because you know it involved getting rid of Moses Malone, who he adored and was his mentor in many ways. And so the first day, the first day of training camp. Uh, they're running just this little skeleton drill. And Charles backs into Roy Henson in the lane, knocks him completely down. And Roy was not the sturdiest fellow in the world. Jumps up, dunks the ball, so it goes through the basket and bounces off Roy Henson's head. And then he walks away, leaving Roy Henson laying on the ground. And as, he, and as he walked back down the court, he got to about midcourt, and he looked over to where we were sitting, you know, because media was everything was open at that time. And he looks and he says, "Anybody got any questions?" <laughs> <laughs> so that was that pretty much sealed it. The first ten minutes of the first practice of the first training camp day for Roy Henson, it was it was over for him.
0: <laughs> so, so would you consider him a good teammate?
1: Uh. You know, it's funny when I saw him later on with the, with both Phoenix and with Houston, I thought he was a marvelous teammate. And I did not know whether, and of course, that Phoenix team was very, very good. Yeah, sure. And you know, went, went to the conference finals and NBA finals, right? Yeah. I, and that team was really good. I thought he was a terrific team, teammate there. And I wasn't sure whether it was a maturation on his part or whether it was simply that those teams were better he had better talent around them so he didn't have to feel like he was always always carrying the load. You know, he used to people used to say one of the problems with Charles Barkley is that he doesn't make the players around him better. And Charles had this great routine about that. You know, this is yeah. Everybody always said a magic Johnson can make the guys around him better. Oh, I would like to try to make James Worthy better. That must be really, really difficult. He come over here and make Charles Shackleford better. Making Kareem better must be really tough, man.
0: But these days, that would be called a distraction, right? Uh, uh, Charles? Yeah.
1: He was pretty much of a distraction then, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He could be he could be pretty distracting. I mean, he, he always, you know, I was in Milwaukee the night. He, he was out on the street at 2 in the morning and broke the guy's nose and went to jail. And it was, you don't usually have to go to jail and interview your guys, but Charles, you know, things just happened. So, yeah, I mean, over the course of my career and over the course of everybody I've interviewed and talked to, or I thought was, was interesting. Uh, Charlie is, Charlie was different. He was uh, a different guy and remarkable. And I still see him now and then he was out at Eagles training camp a few times this year. And he's, you know, I see him at basketball games every now and then, obviously. And he likes to just sit down and talk about the old days and, all the fun we had and he remembers it as being a lot more fun than I remember it as being, but it's, it's certainly, it certainly was interesting anyway.
0: Bob, thank you.
1: No, it's been my pleasure anytime. And, you know, come back. We'll do Pete Rose story next time.
0: As a little kid in Philadelphia, I didn't know these things about Barkley. I knew I loved him as a player, watched his highlights on VHS on loop, wrote him weekly letters, and got back all sorts of packages from the Sixers, including years of birthday cards signed by Charles. It's a good thing Bob has endless stories because whenever we're together, I just wind him up and let him go. You can follow Bob on Twitter at BobFordSports and read his columns on philly.com. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The follow up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's v o k a l now.com.